Hey everybody, welcome back to the Living Power Hope Podcast. My name is Lena. It is great to be back. Today is Thursday. It's the day we drop new podcasts and we are in a great series. I'll tell you about in a second. Hey, if you're not familiar with this uh, stop, this podcast, then let me tell you a little bit about what we do here. I run a ministry called Living With Power Ministries and you can find us at livingwithpower.org. I talk about everything related to faith, life, and culture. Uh, We uh, are particularly focused on questions that pertain to basic Christianity and how we relate to a culture in a post-Christian world. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, that's uh, why we're doing this, is to help you think more biblically about the issues of life. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, welcome. Hey, we love everybody and we're glad that you're here. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, do so. And if you haven't left a review, hey, today's a great day to do it. Uh, We are in a series called Dear Lena, which is a place where you send questions about faith, life, and culture and everything in between, and I answer them. I've clumped a bunch of Uh, topics together that we are running in a series called Bread and Butter, and it's because I'm talking about bread and butter Christianity topics. And so some of these things are basic, some are a good review. Others used to be basic when I was growing up, but now are just not uh, taught as as, uh, regularly in uh, different Christian circles. So we're just going to tackle the questions that have come in. Those questions have come up enough that I know many of you have them. And so I hope you're finding this series helpful, uh, even though in some uh, cases it might be basic. Uh, as a, I tell you, as a doctor, I practice medicine. I find that uh, every couple of years, you've got to review the basics. And uh, every time I take a continuing medical education course, and every time I recertify for my license and my specialties, I'm reminded of that. That you've got to know the basics. And and if we keep thoughtful on the basics, and if we if we keep in front of our eyes those things that pertain to our faith, then it helps us live with a stronger motivation. It helps us stay unshaken in a culture that seems to be so easily shaken. And I'm telling you guys, right now, the church and Christians seem to be just as shaken as the culture. And so we don't want to be that way. We want to grow on to maturity. We want to grow in the grace of uh, God. And so um, we're going to try to to do that. And so thanks again for checking in. Here's the question for today. Dear Lena, I don't feel worthy of God's love. How can I really believe that God loves me? I'll tell you, many people have spent a lot of dollars in therapy trying to answer that question. How do I know I'm loved? And I used to go to a church that ended every service with the sentence, you are loved. And while those words might be easy to say, and while you might hear them in one ear, they might just go out the other. It might be to you just like water on your back like a duck and uh, and you don't quite feel loved by God. And uh, we've talked a lot about what it means to be a Christian in the last few weeks, whether you can lose your salvation. So we've hit up some topics about God's love, but I think this question is important. How, why don't I feel worthy of God's love? I'm going to give you three bullet points of how I think about this, because let me tell you this, you are worthy of love. You are worthy of God's love. Um, but, but, but I'm going to start with one point that might counter that, uh, but bear with me. Here it is. Uh, number one, you don't feel worthy of God's love because technically you're not. All right, now, I know, I know, I just told you you were, and now I'm saying you're not, but, but bear with me. Uh, several verses point to that, uh, to the idea that uh, we are not good. We are born sinners. Uh, in fact, Psalms chapter 14, verses 1 through 3 says, The fool says in his heart, there's no God. Uh, they are corrupt. And then he says, there's none. They do abominable deeds. There's none who does good. That sentiment is repeated in Romans chapter 3. In fact, the first three chapters of Romans is really a presentation of the dire uh, wretchedness of a human man, woman. And uh, Romans uh, 3 ends sort of this section on that by 
saying in verse 10, uh, kind of a reiteration of that, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Kind of reminds me of way back in Genesis chapter six, after the creation and the fall of mankind, before God chose Abraham to be his follower, his child, give him his promise and covenant. Before that, there was Noah, and Noah was found righteous in the eyes of God, but God in Genesis chapter six, verse five says, the Lord saw that the weakness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Um, uh, my favorite verse to sort of kind of affirm this idea that there's no one good is in Isaiah chapter 64, uh, verse six. And if you know it, then you know where I'm going here. You might say, well, some people are good. I mean, you know, Mother Teresa was good. You know, my grandma was good. Like well, whoever in your mind is like this epitome of goodness. Well, um, Isaiah 64, verse six says, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds <clears throat> are like a polluted garment. All our righteous deeds are like a filthy rag. Uh, yeah, I grew up in a church that taught this verse and, 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 and taught us that the uh, Hebrew word, Four filthy rags was like the leftover menstrual cycle stuff like that, you know, so so it's disgusting, basically. I don't mean to gross you out. I didn't mean to be graphic, but, but the point of it is your best works don't measure up to God. And so we're all born sinners. There's no one who is good. We're all, even in our best efforts, at our best, we're no more than filthy rags. And we are all deserving of death and headed towards death from the moment we're born. John three seventeen teaches that we are condemned already the moment we're born because we're born in sin. You say, man, that's pretty depressing. Uh, but 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 you were just saying that we are, we have worth. I mean, if we're worthless to this degree, then God could just destroy us all. And he could, but he hasn't. Well, why? Well, here's the second big point. You and I don't feel worthy of God's love because we don't yet truly understand God's love. God's love is not like our love. We think of love as something we give to someone who meets certain criteria. Either there's chemistry, you meet someone, you fall in love with them, or you make a decision to love someone. It might be someone that you don't have a choice but to love. Most parents love their kids. Moms have their babies born and there's an automatic love to that child. But, but that's different than God's love. God doesn't just love as an act of goodness. He is love. He is the very essence of love. And, uh, and he loves us because... Um, of who he is, not because of who we are. Mind you, I, I want to kind of go back and tag a little bit more on the thought of like, are we worthy of God's love? Is, is, is a human worthy of God's love? Well, well, Romans 5, 8 tells us that even while we were still sinners, God um, demonstrated his love towards us. And so he loved us while we were sinners. Why? Well, it goes back to the fact that we were created in the image of God. We are made in God's image. God doesn't love us because we're good looking or because we're smart or because of what we bring to the table. If, if that were the case, then God would love Brad Pitt more than he would love someone with Down syndrome, right? Think about that. But that's not true. God loves everyone equally, uniquely. He loves us because there's innate worth in us because we were created in the image of God. That goes all the way back to Genesis chapter one. And so even though we'll never measure up to God, there's intrinsic worth in human nature. In Genesis one, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and etc. And so God saw worth in man 
aside from the fact that, by the way, that was pre-fall, and then there was a fall, and then we became sinful, and we born in sin, but God sees in us still that imago Dei, which is we're made in the image of God, and there's value, there's intrinsic value in human uh, human beings, so that whether you are handicapped, or whether you feel less than, or maybe you're broken, or maybe you're faceless, you don't feel like anybody sees you, you don't have to be famous to be loved, you don't have to be rich to be loved, you don't have to be significant in human eyes to be loved. God sees past all of these things that make us feel good. He sees his image in us. And because of that, even while we were sinners, he thought it was worth his love, his time, his focus to come into earth in the form of Jesus Christ, a man born uh, of a woman, Mary, and to eventually die on the cross for you. So that even if you don't feel love, the way to see God's love, to understand it, to embrace it, is to fix your eyes on what happened on the cross. So if you've never read the Bible, if you've never met this God, focus on reading the story of Jesus. So the Gospel of John would be a great place to start where it tells the story of Jesus and how eventually it leads to him dying on the cross, not for any sin he's done, but simply because of a predestined plan, pre-made plan, pre-ordained plan that God would come through the form of Jesus into earth to live a perfect life and then die for your sin and mine, not just the world as a whole, but individually. And we've talked about in the last few weeks about how if you put your faith in Christ, you are saved, you're given eternal life. And so there's value in you because you are made in the image of God. I love Psalms 139, by the way, in that I, I, I gotta confess to you, I struggle with seeing myself as worthy of love and of beauty. I, I see all the flaws in me. I'm quick to tell my mother all the flaws in me and think she gets sick of hearing that. And if you have a daughter or a son who constantly thinks like I do, it must be aggravating to you because, you know, you see your kids and you see the beauty in them, but, but sometimes they can't see it themselves. And so, and, and so I'm, I'm really encouraged by like the verses in Psalms 131, where it says, for you formed in verse 13, my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is crazy good. That that just shows, you know, God doesn't see, humans, we're gonna talk about the culture in a second, but God sees differently than humans see. We're so fooled by the externals. We see someone who is fat or crooked or scarred, and we make decisions about these people or too thin, whatever criteria that we deem to be the perfect human being. And, and we just judge people based on how we think they look. That is not the way God loves. Um, uh, I love the verse in 1 John chapter 4 that sort of defines the essence of love. Uh, we're told in verse 10, in this is love. You want to know what we love it? This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The very act of Christ coming to be a payment for our sin is uh, the indication, the best indication of God's love for us. And so that in 1 John 3, verse 1, he says, see what kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. You are God's child. You are loved. You're loved anyway, but you're brought into adoption, into family with God the minute you receive him into your heart. So because God is love, he loves us, not because we deserve it, but because of who he is. We typically tend to think that he will love us only if we are good, but that's not the truth. He loves us because he is good, not because we are good, but because he is good. Because God is love, he became love so that we would experience love. Because he is love, think about that. He became love so that we would experience love. 
And so you are indeed loved. So, so the third big idea, the first was you don't feel worthy of God's love because technically you're not. Second, you don't feel worthy of God's love because you don't fully understand God's love. If you did, then you would not feel unworthy of his love. You would understand that he sees you with the eyes of worth through the fact that you're made in his image. And you would understand that he loved you so much that he gave his life for you. And the minute you receive him, you receive the gift of Christ. Christ comes to live in you and God now sees Christ in you, the hope of glory. And now thirdly, you don't feel worthy of God's love because you are listening to the world's lies. You're listening to the world's lies. All around us are messages that are lies and false. The culture teaches that the feeling of worthiness starts by you loving yourself. The culture tells us that if you love yourself enough, by the way, the next episode is going to be on this concept of loving yourself and why that is not biblical. But the culture teaches us that if we love ourselves, then we'll be okay, that that's the standard of feeling loved. And and that's not biblical. God says that our worth starts the minute we receive God's, well, it starts when we're made in the image of God, but it grows as we receive God's love for us. So that every human, even those who don't know Christ, have worth, but there is unique worth in us the minute we receive Christ. And in that new relationship. We are now called children of the king. We are now uh, called beloved. We are now held dearly. We're the sheep that that the shepherd would go to all extents to come after because of love. And the culture teaches that loving myself is the answer to my pain, whereas the Bible teaches that God's love for me is the answer to my pain. Where do you look to when you feel unloved? Uh, many dollars are being spent on therapy. People are medicating themselves. People are telling themselves, writing self-worth sentences all over their houses. And while they may serve a short-term purpose, true love and true self-worth comes from knowing what God sees in us. And he sees beauty and he sees wholeness in Christ Jesus, even on the days when we're not very good, even on the days that we fall short of his love. Why? Well, because even while we were sinners in Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us based on our goodness. He didn't die for us because we deserved it. He died for us because of his goodness and because he saw worth in us. And um, man, we live in a culture where people will kill themselves to save a turtle. Uh, I remember uh, doing a Bible study once in Florida and after a certain time, you're supposed to turn the lights out because the turtles, uh, if they see the lights in the buildings, they'll come out of the water into the, towards the lights and then they might die. And so there's a rule in Florida between like April or May and October where you cannot have your windows open. You have to have screens or you have to turn the lights off so that the turtles are saved. We see worth in a turtle. We see worth in any animal, a little bird with a broken wing. We pick it up, we take it to the vet. And yet we have lost the ability to see worth in each other as humans. And that is behind so much of the sin of, of racism, so much of the sin of, of bigotry and, and any nature. By the way, men and women created equally in the image of God. So there is worth in us. Although despite that worth, we cannot earn God's favor. There's no, our worth isn't based on what we do. It is based on the fact that we were all created in the image of God and because Christ saw enough worth in us to die for us. And now you enter into a unique relationship with God in receiving Christ so that now all that is good in you is because of what Christ has done in you and for you. So if that's you and you struggle with whether you're loved, let me reassure you, you are indeed loved. You are precious in God's eyes. You are a treasure that he's given everything his own son for. And so stop doubting it. Rest in the truth of what his word has taught. Come back next week. We're going to talk about this idea of loving yourself and why that is not the answer. In the meantime, make your life about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is, at the end of the day, all that God asks of us. 
Love you guys. I would love to see you tonight in the Facebook Live uh, where I teach. I'm going through the book of Hebrews right now. You can go to livingwithpower.org, click on uh, join our community, and you can figure out how to join us tonight. And in the meantime, if you have any questions or prayer requests or Dear Lena issues that you'd like me to talk about, send them to dearlena at livingwithpower.org. I hope this has been beneficial. Share it with your friends if it has. In the meantime, have a great week, and I'll see you again next Thursday.